We continue with the sugya of watching our eyes, the union of Shavavim. Before we continue, we have to remember that the time of year that we're in very much reflects the siyata deshmai that we get in many different ways. Just as an example, the Chedush HaRim, the Gay Rebbe once said, it's printed in the Svarim, that this week's parasha is the beginning of when Kalalis will get out of Mitzrayim, B'chol Yitzis Mitzrayim, all of these parishes. So a person can tap into the Siyatu Dishmai of Yitzis Mitzrayim, of Pesach, Leila, Seida, these parishes. Means very much that Sadiqim are busy with this idea that the time of year that we're in, the parish that we read, has a lot to do with the Koychas that we get. Which means that on Shoivavim, as much as we've been discussing until now, and we're going to continue, we're going to try to get a little bit more positivity, as is Hashem, each week, trying to discuss a little bit different of an aspect in the sugya, we do have to realize that the Rabbi Shem does give a special koyach and a special strength during the time of Shoivavim, that often we don't get as much. Some people can feel it, some people can't feel it. Maybe we have to tap into it, maybe we'll be able to feel it also. But as I said in the beginning, it's a serious topic. It is a topic that we can't joke about, we can't make fun of. It's, it's a serious thing. It's a, something that is unfortunately very, very widespread, perhaps even more than we even think. And that's why it's important for us to, number one, identify the problem, understand how bad it is, even though with identifying how bad it is, it makes sometimes a person feel even on the, on, on the borderline of what they call depressed, oh no, this is me, I, this is crazy. But with the knowledge of what we're trying to do over here once a week, which is trying to give chizik in a positive way, even though maybe until now it hasn't felt so positive, but we are going to build up positivity and we're even going to give some tips and some um, tried and tested ideas that people have come back to me and told me have worked. So I would like to give those to the Olim as well, because I believe that's important. We're not here just to discuss, even though that alone is enough, how bad it is and the reward for being careful. But we're here to try and work on it together with the Olam. There's a certain koich of the tzibur as well, by the way, we have to understand as well. When the Olam are tzaman, when they're together to work on something in Yoni Kedusha, is an incredible thing. The Rabboni Shalolam, not that we can understand, but the Rabboni Shalolam looks down and says, here's my heilige yid, my heilige children, who are so desperate to get close to me and they know what's stopping them and therefore they want to get close to me. So that's what we're doing over here. So right now there's a very big Kedusha in this room. There's a big Kedusha inside every single one of us because we are right now at this moment in the next few minutes trying to get closer to Hashem in, in Yari Kedusha, which is of the most hardest things ever. Let me begin, Rabbi Yisrael, like this. Rav Nassan Adler, Rav Nassan Adler was the Rebbe of the Heilige Chassam Saifa. The Rebbe of the Heilige Chassam Saifa. At Sadiq, a Goyen Olam, one of the Gedolei Adar, Rebbe of the Chassam Saifa. So he quoted a Gemara, where the Gemara tells us like this, a very scary thing, but it's a Gemara and we need to know it. The Gemara says that when a person is what we call a Goistus, a Goistus is someone, Rahmana Litzlan, that's about to die. He's hovering between life and death. He's literally what we call on the deathbed. He's about to leave the world. It's called a Goistus. So the Gemara talks about such a person, and the Gemara says that on top of such a person, the Malach HaMovis is right there, ready to take him, ready to grab this person, right? He's the Shoma out of his guf. And the Gemara says that the Malach HaMovis is Mole Einayim. The Malach HaMovis is full of eyes, full of eyes. The Gemara says, 
thousands of eyes. And that's the Gemara. That's all the Gemara says. The Chassam Soifa brings his Rebbe, Reb Nadla, that says, Pshat, in the Gemara, and Pshat in his Rebbe, that when a person looks at something that he should not be looking at, he's creating an eye. And that eye remains, and when he is about to leave the world, all of the eyes that he created over all the things that he looked at over his lifetime, again, Shuvah of course takes things away, but leaving putting that aside for a moment, they come back to quote-unquote haunt him and look over him as he's about to leave the world, reminding him of what he has done. Now by the way, the Chassam Sofa says that sometimes you find that a person shakes before he leaves the world. So the Chassam Sofa says it's because he's seeing the eyes and he's so petrified and he's so distraught with those eyes. Now why am I telling you this? I do not want to get you depressed. I don't even think you think, oh my gosh, that's it. First of all, tshuva is gewaldic, and tshuva will always help to erase and eradicate. And forget the Gemara tells us tshuva ma'ava makes all of our various turn into mitzvahs. But that's a side point. I'll tell you why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you because people often, again, we spoke about this last time, think that, okay, I looked. Shayda, I looked. No, no, I don't look anymore. I stopped looking, leaving out tshuva. I don't look, it was ages ago. But what we do stays with us for a lot longer than we actually can imagine. And that's the koyach of the eye, that the eye penetrates right into the neshama in a way that nothing else can penetrate as quickly as that can. The eye, so the Sifri Kabbalah, is the smallest and thinnest mechitza between the outside world and our neshama on the inside of our guf, on our body. Which means the eye can penetrate things straight into the neshama. So I tell you this, some soifa, I tell you this Gemara so that you know that when you are about to, or if you did, again, we'll talk about tshuva and we'll talk about everything in it. Just know that it's so severe that it does remain with us. And I'll, I'll give you one example and then we'll move on to something a little bit positive. There's a famous Gemara, you should look this up yourself, a Gemara in Kedushin Dapei. The Gemara in Kedushin tells us about certain Tanoim that would laugh at people that do Averis. Ah, those people do Averis. Ah, good for nothings. Ovi Averis, these people do Averis. Especially Averis that have to do with women. They would laugh at them. Like, what's the matter with you people? Why are you, why are you Mechshah? Why are you falling? Why are you stumbling in these sorts of Averis? Big deal. Not a big deal. Right, Ness? So, the Rabbani Shalom wanted to teach them a lesson. And the Rabban Shem wanted to show him it's not so simple. So what the Rabban Shem did, listen to this, the Gemara tells him Mufurish. What the Gemara did, what the, what the Rabban Shem did, is he dressed up the Sotan to be the most beautiful woman that ever walked on planet Earth. Okay? The Rabban Shem could do that. The most beautiful woman ever to walk planet Earth was dressed up inside the Sotan. Sotan comes down to these Tanoim, to these Amorayim, and starts to try and get them to do Averis. Starts to present themselves in certain ways that would, you know, and the Tanoim and Amoroim were looking this way, they didn't want to look this way, they didn't want to look that way. That the Gemara tells us that they took uh, metal pieces of iron, they put it in fire, and then they poked their eyes out. 
Ad kach, they didn't want to be able to look at such a woman and there's a whole thing. They got their sight back, whatever it was. And we're not going into the details. Asks the Ben Yadu the following kasha. I don't understand. The Rabbani Shalom needed to have the Sultan dress up as the most beautiful woman in the world. Why can't HaKadosh Baruch Hu just bring a gorgeous woman over and let it happen that way? Ooh, maybe she's not the most gorgeous, but come on. Why do you have to have the Sultan do it? Yeah, because the Sultan was prosecuting, but like, what's Pshat? Then you is Pshat like this. It's our Yisait. If it would have been a genuine, real woman, and they would have stumbled and looked, that would have made a connection. That would have made a problem. And the Rabbani was going to say, Ad Khan, I don't want to do I want to test them because we're all here for tests. We're all here to be tested. That's our job in this world is to be tested. And whether or not we pass that test and everyone on their level to be tested and, and passing. But, Kodesh didn't want that connection. So therefore it had to be the Sotan to be able to do that. Rabbi said there is a connection that goes on in our eyes and our neshama to what we see on the outside. We don't appreciate it, we don't realize it. But I want to highlight it at this moment. Now I also want to say that if you stop for a moment, let's try to understand from a psychological point of view, what is the pshat? Why people are so, we, we know the Yetzirah of Arias is of the hardest Yetzirah ever. Probably the hardest it's ever been. That's why, by the way, the smallest bit of trying that we do accomplishes more than anyone could have ever accomplished until this day. Right? Which we'll talk about. It's amazing. Because the Yetzirah of Arias is so strong, and for good reason. The Gemara tells us in Yuma that they stopped the Yetzirah for Arias. A chicken didn't even lay an egg because there was no taiva between a male and a female chicken to be together because there was no Inyoni Arias, there was no Yetzirah, so they weren't even interested in having kids. The, the, the continuation of the world wouldn't happen. So the power of Arias, the Koyach of Isavera is strong and it's the strongest it's ever been, which means on one side it's very hard to fight. On the other side, the smallest bit that we do to try and fight it, and I believe showing up to the share is a huge part. Every guy that makes the effort to be here, well, you guys don't have to be here. You can say, huh, this share maybe I won't be in. I'll come to the rest and we'll talk about Ilkha Shabbos and, 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 and Tfiller and, and whatever they'll talk about over here. But this one, eh, I don't know. But the fact that you're here, that means you want, in a generation like today, you want to stop, you want to try, the Rabbanisham is not like that we can't imagine. It's unbelievable. Rabbanisham says they want. Okay, maybe they're not always matzliach. It's fine, they're human beings. They fall, I put the Yitzhah in them, I understand them, I get them. But the fact that they want, you know what that is? Every single one of you that are here, that want to hear this, it's unbelievable. So that's, that, that's, that's easy. The Yitzhah is very strong. And we know that. I don't know, I don't have to convince anybody in this room that the Yitzhah is extremely strong when it comes to Inyan Arayas. I don't need to persuade anyone. That's poshant. But I want to understand for a moment what's going on when a person has the opportunity, he has a phone, has a computer, he's on the street, wherever he may be, and he sees something or he can press something that he shouldn't. Why? 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 What's going on in his head? What's going on in his brain at that exact moment? So we know the Gemara in the Sota tells us that a person only does an Aveira when he's nechnos by ruach shtus. He's not thinking properly. That we know. No, no person is thinking properly when he does an Aveira. It's half the reason why the Rabbanisham is not going to hold us accountable for many Aveiras. Because you weren't thinking. You, you were in a moment of like forgetfulness. You were in a moment of, of taiva. In a moment of thinking. Like, we don't expect much more of you. It's okay. I'm not saying we have a head for all Aveiras for this. But I'm just giving an idea of how serious the Rabbanisham takes even this. The Rabbanisham understands how hard it is for us. But what's going on? So I want to just, just for a moment to understand. 
there's almost like an unspoken promise. If you look at this, then you'll be good. The eye is the greatest salesman. The eye is telling you, just look at that page, look at that site, look at that whatever it may be, and then you'll be satisfied. And then everything will go away. The tiber that you have, that urge that you have, will go down, and everything will be gewaldic. But the answer is, and again, I don't have to tell anyone here something that they don't know, but it's almost like, and the moshal I bring every year, is like drinking salty water when you're very thirsty. Imagine being really thirsty. Re- I, I'm, I'm parched. I need a drink. Desperately need a drink. Someone comes to you with some really salty water. So you drink it. So as the liquids go down your throat, lemaisa, it's quenching your thirst. Because, you know, now my, my, my thirst is not so dry. I have liquid there. But it's so salty that I need to drink more. And I need to drink other drinks. And it's the same thing your eye tells you and your EHR and your brain is telling you, just look at that, it's fine. And then you'll be satisfied. And then you'll go on. And the answer is, uh-uh, that's not how it goes. Because when we look, we just want more and we just want more and it never satisfies us. The next website, the next idea, the next mahalach, this thing didn't satisfy me. I need to go on to this, I need to go on to that. We all know how it works, right? But it's that's what it is. The, the eye is giving you a thing saying, just try this, it's to be okay. If we know in advance, and we all know, that our tithers are not going to be fulfilled when we put on the site that we're looking to put on, or flick whatever it is that we're doing, or buy whatever it is that we're going to buy, or go to the place that we're going to go, we're not going to be satisfied. We're never satisfied and say, we're done. You ever heard a guy that looked at something you shouldn't have done once in his life and says, I'm good now? For the rest of my life, I don't have to look. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Because psychologically, that's what's happening. You want more. And the adrenaline and everything it gives you for those few moments is crazy. And and if you think about it, I had a Talmud of mine that years and years and years ago, years ago, his mother ran off with a gardener that was not white. Let's just call it that way. Now, she had a family of children. She had a few tithers. Okay, could be she wasn't getting what she wanted. Whatever it is, she had a few tithers. You think about it. How many people are willing to give up their entire olamazet and everything they have, everything they built, for a few moments of pleasure, that's gone afterwards. It's done. Never to be seen of again. People are willing to give up their husbands, their wives, their children, their Yiddishkeit, their nachas, their simchas, their lives, for a bit of tithes, for something that goes away. That you just want more and more, like the Gemara tells us in Sukkah, Eva, Cotton, Yeshla, Odom. Everybody, the more you use it, the more you want. That's how it goes, by the way. It's the Gemara Mufurish tells us that. The more you use it, the more you want. You know, the big day kahuna that the Kohen Godel would wear was amazing. The Chinner tells us that the whole purpose that the Kohanim had certain begodim, garments, that were specifically tailor-made, specifically for Kohanim, was to show their chashivas. If we walked around that we are chashiv, that we are b'nei melech, that we belong to the Rabbi Nishon, we are the children of Hashem, then how are we going to do something wrong? He says the chinach, when a Kohen knew that he was a Kohen, because he wore specific clothing, it changed his perspective of life. It changed his inner self. 
It changed his self-esteem. It changed everything he represented because he knew he was a coin. A coin can't do that. A coin can't do that. We have to know who we are. I tell you, Mordecai Rabbeinu Yonah and Prakiyavis. Rabbeinu Yonah tells us that Aaron HaKoyin, Aaron HaKoyin was Oyev Abrias. He loved everyone. And he also got everyone to be Korov, to get closer to the Torah. How did he do that? How did Aaron HaKoyin do it? Says Rabbeinu Yonah, amazing. Aaron HaKoyin would go over to a guy and say, you know what? You're the most Choshev guy in the world. You're amazing. You're just, uh, wow. The guy's thinking to himself, <coughs> If Aaron Akai knew what I was doing last night, he's not going to be thinking I'm the most special guy in the world, right? He doesn't know. That's why he said it. And Aaron Akai has continued to love him, hug him, and give him all the respect. And eventually he thinks to himself, you know, maybe I am. Maybe Taka, I am Choshev. Even with the Aveira that I did. And it makes him feel different. And the next time he gets subjugated to that Yitzhah, next time he's faced with that challenge, he thinks to himself, me? No, I can't do that. That's the big day, Kuhuna. Rabbi Sai, we are living in a Dor Hamabal. You know what the Mabal was? Pollution of Tumor all over the world. Wherever you looked, wherever you went, there's Tumor. We're living in such a world. We're in Yushalayim, you're you can't get away from it. It doesn't make a difference where you are. You could be in Lakewood, you could be in Gateshead, you could be in Stafford Hill, you could be in Miami. It's irrelevant where you are in the world. There's Tumor everywhere. We're living in a Dor Hamabal. The only way that we will be able to fight this is being machazik ourselves. Okay, I told you the Maisa. I think I said it over. When I was being Menachem Oval, my dear Talmud, who lost his son. So a Shami guy, a Hasidish guy, I think it was, came inside. Gave a whole chazik shmuz. It was amazing. And he said the following marshal. He said that you have a peacock with all the gorgeous feathers of all the colors. And you're trying to clean and brush off the peacock's feathers, the colors so you start at one side, and you do that, the other side gets dirty. You start at the other side, the other side gets dirty. The only way to do it is the peacock gets up, gives us a shake, and it gets cleaned. The only way that we can fight off what's coming our way, what's being shown to us in our faces, what's so easy to get to, is by being machazik ourselves and who we are and what we represent. Because otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. And we have to remember... We're living in a generation of so much tumor. That means, and the Sephardic should bring this. I'll tell you, Mordechazach. Listen to this, Rabbi Say. There's a Shemesh Shmiel, Sagan Shabbi Rebbe. The Shemesh Shmiel writes an unbelievable thing. Rabbi Say, listen to this. He says there are two ways of becoming a tzaddik. There are two ways of becoming a tzaddik. There's the hard way, and there's the easy way. The hard way is sitting and learning every day. And, and doing mitzvahs and not doing averas and sinning for years and years and years and eventually become a tzaddik. That's the hard way. But he says there's a shortcut. So the Heilige Shem there's a shortcut to become an instant tzaddik in the Rabboni Shalom's eyes. How? If you're faced with an inappropriate sight that you shouldn't be looking at or the opportunity to type one in and you don't, you automatically at that moment Become a tzaddik in the Rabboni Shalom's eyes. That's the shortcut to become a tzaddik in Hashem's eyes. The Chazal tell us in Mesechtus Derech Eretz, Perik Aleph, This is something we haven't mentioned. But often when we're walking on the street, we see something that we shouldn't be seeing, that we don't want to see. The first look, by the way, is not our fault. The fact that we saw it, that's not us. The fact that we continue to look, 
or look again, that's us. Zuk chazal When a person sees a dove erva and he turns away and he says no and he says I'm not giving in this temptation. I don't want to look. I don't want to see this. I don't want to get any hanor from it. Zuk chazal zoycha mekabel pnei ashchina. Do you know what that means? That's unbelievable. He's zoycha to, to, to be mekabel the shchina. How many people I've heard personally from? Personally heard this from. Guys that are working on Shmir Senayim, Shmir Sabris, all the other, Inyone Kedusha Inyonim, that we're discussing over here, they're working on it and they manage to prevent themselves and stop themselves for an extended period of time. Obviously each one is different, whatever it is, we make tailor-made things for each person. But he said to me, and I've heard it from numerous people, not one, I feel like I'm shtaking. I feel that it's easy for me to get closer to Hashem. And the answer is Poshat. Yes, our neshama is pure and will always remain pure, whatever we do. But the layers that we peel off when we stop ourselves, the layers that we peel off when we prevent ourselves is very important. The Orchaz Chaim Rosh, one of the Rishonim, the Rosh brings down, and again, I'm going to quote to the Rosh of the Orchaz Chaim, He says that when a person comes to Tfila, and we're about to dab Mincha in a few minutes, and like we always say, we'll be discussing Yonit Tefillah. There isn't a person in this room and there isn't a person who's davening Mincha today that doesn't need something from Hashem. Everyone needs something. We all need something. Whether it's Shaduchim, whether it's Parnasa, whether it's Avas Torah, whether it's good relationships, whether it's health, whether whatever it may be, we all need something. And we all want the Rebbe to answer us. Zuk Rosh, Orchus Chaim Rosh, that when a person is careful what he watches, his tefillahs get answered. And it's posh because we've spoken about so many times that when a person doesn't watch what he, what he sees, then automatically they cause all sorts of things in Shemayim for him. We don't realize the benefits in the next world, but also in this world. And this one is simple. Every person here wants to have a good marriage. Every person here wants to have an amazing relationship with their wife, both in the physical and the emotional. Okay? That's, that's claw. Okay, there's no such thing as anyone that's not interested in having a good physical relationship with his wife, just to speak it very clear and blunt, okay? Imagine when a person goes into the Yechud room. He's been engaged for months. He's been Shoima, doesn't touch her, nowhere near. He's so excited for the moment of the Yechud and of course we're not going to discuss it, but Pemole, because we talked about it in the speech room, that we don't have to discuss things that we all know. But the Yechud room is a very, very important time. Imagine, Hassan goes into the Yechud room. They close the door, they lock the lock. And he runs over to the corner to get his phone to see who sent him a message during the chuppah because he couldn't join the chuppah, check his text messages. And he wants to see, and his wife is standing there like, really? Now, it sounds crazy. Nobody here would do that, right? But don't worry, Rabbi. <laughs> don't worry about me. I'm good. You don't have to worry. By the way, the Bochum that normally say that, you know, when I start chosen classes in the Bochum, like, Rebbe, leave it to me. I'm good. Those are Bochum generally that have the issues later on. But let's not get into that. What I'm trying to tell you is, if you want to have, and you could do it now, and it's never too late, if you want to have a great relationship with your wife, both in the physical and even in the emotional as well, this is important to work on. This is important to work on because if you don't work on this, it's kefelach. I spoke to a lady recently when I was in America who told me that she once walked in to her husband who was deeply involved in pornography on the laptop in front of him 
Now, a woman who's married to a man and she sees that, that is one of the worst things ever. And that's a great, a breach of trust that is very hard to build back. Very hard. I'm not saying impossible. Everything's possible. But it's very hard. They actually got divorced because of that. But it's very hard to build that back. Now, Rabbi Say, I'm not telling you that you're going to be perfect and you have to be perfect by the time you get married or you can't get married. Of course you can. But you need to be working on it. You need to be aware of it. It needs to be something that you control yourself, not it controls you. Because otherwise, the marriage is going to suffer. Because at the end of the day, and again, I don't have to give anyone the details here, but we all know this. The woman at the other end of that screen that you're watching didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night for the baby, didn't have to clean the house before Shabbos, didn't have to go shopping and schlep the bags back, didn't have to cook lunch, whatever it may be. She just gets dressed up and on the screen and gets paid for what she does and looks wow, and everyone's like, this is amazing. Well, guess what? I don't want to break this to you, but that's not going to be your wife. And if that's what you're expecting, if that's what, even if it's subconscious, by the way, many guys are, no, no, I, I know, of course I know that. Everyone knows that. I don't expect that for my wife, but subconsciously, by the way, they do. And when they do, and it doesn't happen in the bedroom, I'm sorry for being so blunt, my boy say, and it doesn't happen in the bedroom the way they saw it on the screen, subconsciously, they're upset. They feel deprived, and they feel they're not getting the attention from their wives. And that's a big problem. And that leads to huge issues. My boy say, one of the greatest things that you could do right now is just try and work on it. And again, we have a lot to discuss. We have a lot to go through. We have eights. We have situations. There's a lot to discuss, Rabbi Isai. And Amit Hashem will get there. But let's just start with that idea. First of all, to understand the great benefits you have in your tefillah, the great benefits you have in the connection to the Rabbi Nishlam in this world, and the great benefits you have with your own marriage. And it's never too late. I've told this to married people also in the same way. It can be worked on. It can be rectified. We don't need to be perfect. The Rabbanishim does not, does not want perfection from any of us. Never. The Rabbanishim does not want us to be perfect. He wants us just to try. Just to be on that train in the right direction. And as long as we're trying, he loves us, he cares for us, he always loves us, he always cares for us. But he sees that we're trying. And he gives that the extra siyad and the extra kayak. Next week, we shall continue.